from in and around the capital region on the Alive Radio Network. This is the matter at hand. I'm Alicia Purdy. If you have the sense that the academic world is losing its mind, you're in the right place. But it is not the minds of heretics that are deteriorated most by the ban placed on all inquiry which does not end in the orthodox conclusions. The greatest harm is done to those who are not heretics and whose whole mental development is cramped and their reason cowed by the fear of heresy. Who can compute what the world loses in the multitude of promising intellects combined with timid characters who dare not follow out any bold, vigorous, independent train of thought, lest it should land them in something which would admit of being considered irreligious or immoral? It's graduation season across the country, and the class of 2021 is having a very different year than the class of 2020, with many graduation ceremonies moving back to the in-person model as people become increasingly comfortable with being out and about once again. However, even with the joys of emerging from a pandemic before them, some students are facing another battle, the ongoing attack of free speech against students on both high school and college campuses who refuse to comply with social pressure to conform their thinking to the militant social justice standards of their peers. During graduation season, valedictorians who choose to use their platform not to encourage their class to reach for greatness in their future, but to share their thoughts and perspectives on hot-button issues that range from religious to political to social and even personal, receive a range of responses from hate, rejection, attacks and threats to their future to support, love, affirmation and opportunities depending on how they verbalize their stance on the issues. Education institutions of every kind are facing pressure on all sides as administrators and educators wrestle with the balance of a student's protected rights of expression to the increasingly leftist agendas being pushed upon students who push back. From critical race theory to LGBTQ issues to the expression of religion to support for Donald Trump or BLM or an affirmation of biblical values, how far is too far? How far can government education systems, which are funded by the American taxpayer, go in what causes they choose to elevate or suppress? Who should be the deciding factor? Educators? Parents? Lawmakers? The students themselves? A Michigan high school has come under fire after the school's principal heavily edited a student's valedictorian speech to remove all references to Jesus Christ. The student, Elizabeth Turner, pushed back, and the school very quickly received a strongly worded letter from the conservative legal nonprofit group First Liberty Institute, who demanded that the school reverse their decision. Some of the stuff, uh, the content in the speech itself was inappropriate for school setting, specifically the religious content. At first I was confused because I knew that this wasn't right and that there was something to it. And then I felt continually disappointed. The letter claimed the school's principal engaged in unconstitutional censorship when she told the student that the mention of Jesus Christ in her valedictorian speech would violate the establishment cause of the U.S. Constitution and could not be used as a representative of the school. However, First Liberty argued in their letter that the student's speech was not subject to the establishment cause because it constituted private free speech, not government speech, and the group demanded the original version of Turner's speech be allowed at the graduation. 
Elizabeth Turner, the student who wrote the speech, said in her original version, quote, For me, my future and hope is found in my relationship with Christ. By trusting in him and choosing to live a life dedicated to bringing his kingdom glory, I can be confident that I am living a life with purpose and meaning. My identity, she said, is found by what God says and who I want to become is laid out in scripture. Turner said, whether we want to admit it or not, not one of us can be certain of how our lives will unfold, but we do know that trials will come. And she said the reality of this is that we face an unpredictable future. And while we are making all these plans to prepare, ultimately none of us are promised tomorrow, making it all the more important to make today count. Last month, the school reversed their decision that would have forbidden Turner from referencing her Christian faith in her valedictorian speech and said they would allow the unedited version of the speech. How far should the extension of a school's power reach into the private lives of citizens, including students? The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, known as FIRE, is a nonpartisan civil liberties advocacy and legal group whose aim it is to defend and sustain the individual rights of students and faculty members at America's colleges and universities. By educating students, faculty, alumni, trustees, and the public about the threat to these rights on campuses. And the group provides the means to preserve them. I was found guilty of racial harassment just for reading this book. Keith John Sanson, a janitor at a college in Indiana, was working his way through college when he was seen on campus reading a book entitled Notre Dame versus the Klan. And he was promptly reported for his choice of reading material. I was ordered by my supervisor to report to the Affirmative Action Office. I think they saw somebody that was white and had a book on the Klan and they rushed to judgment. You cannot do this over a book. I mean, you can tell me you don't like the book, but you can't tell me I can't read it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to turn to. I was just a tiny voice. Fire was my megaphone. After his hearing, Sampson was found guilty of racial harassment for simply reading that book. He eventually contacted FIRE for help, and it took the forces of the ACLU, the Wall Street Journal, and FIRE to get the university to back down. In the harassment and threats and violation of the freedom of expression on campuses that go against pressure from cancel culture isn't limited to just students. Professor Casey Johnson from Brooklyn College, part of the CUNY school system in New York, found himself under threat when he disputed the inclusion of social justice education as a valid goal of new national standards in the education of the school. The national accrediting body, this group called NK, uh, had actually uh, promulgated new national standards that required uh, education programs that listed social justice as a goal, as Brooklyn uh, did, to individually assess each student's capability uh, to promote social justice. Education schools were using this requirement essentially to purge from the ranks of future uh, public school teachers, anyone who they perceived as quote-unquote conservative or insufficiently tolerant. In response, Johnson wrote an op-ed speaking out against the move and quickly made himself a target. After I had my op-ed published, I received a letter signed by every member of the education department at Brooklyn College telling me that because I had criticized their conduct in the dispositions cases, that I was going to be referred uh, to this body called the Integrity Committee. I realized that basically I needed help. According to Fire President Greg Ludenhoff, The top colleges in our country can place students and their parents in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. The very least students should be able to expect is the freedom to explore ideas without any fear of punishment. On the other side of the equation, a valedictorian in Texas surprised graduation attendees when she departed from the speech she'd submitted to her school and at the last second decided to use her three minutes on stage 
to decry the so-called heartbeat bill, legislation signed recently by Texas Governor Greg Abbott that will essentially ban most abortions in Texas. Today I was going to talk about TV and media and content because it's something that's very important to me. However, under light of recent events, it feels wrong to talk about anything but what is currently affecting me and millions of other women in the state. The legislation that valedictorian Paxton Smith spoke out against would ban abortions as early as six weeks into a pregnancy, before many women know they're pregnant. It goes into effect September 1st in that state. In her speech, Smith said that women have spent their entire lives working toward their future, and without their input and without their consent, their control over their future was stripped away. I hope you can feel how dehumanizing it is to have the autonomy over your own body taken away from you. And I'm talking about this today. On a day where you are most inclined to listen to a voice like mine, a woman's voice, to tell you that this is a problem and I cannot give up this platform to promote complacency and peace when there is a war on my body and a war on my rights. And while many in attendance were shocked and offended, plenty of others cheered Paxton on and her speech went viral, even attracting the praise of Hillary Clinton. The district spokesman for that school said they would be reviewing student speech protocols ahead of next year's graduation programs. And the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments this week in a free speech case involving a Pennsylvania high school student who was kicked off her cheerleading team over a profanity-laced Snapchat message, which case advocates say have free speech implications for all students. The former student, Brandy Levy, and her parents are fighting the Mahanoy Area School District in the Supreme Court. Advocates say that students' free speech rights hang in the balance as the nation's high court has the opportunity to weigh in on just how far schools can go in policing speech conduct that occurs even outside of their buildings. Will Creeley, the legal director for FIRE, said the question at stake is if a 1969 Tinker v. Des Moines Independent Community School District decision, which says public school officials can regulate speech that would disrupt work and discipline of the school, applies to students while they're off campus. According to Creeley, the Supreme Court should side with students and parents and reject such a dangerous expansion of government power, which he says would strictly limit a student's free speech outside of the school. Creeley also said that students with a dissenting viewpoint at a public school who does something on the weekends that a public school administrator sees via social media and defines as a disruption will attract punishment on Monday. And furthermore, he said, even if people don't agree with a student's viewpoint, they should defend their right to express it, especially off campus. Because according to Creeley, the implications for student speech rights are far bigger and could reach a great deal of political, religious speech, as well as everyday students. Inside the building, however, or on grounds owned by American taxpayers upon which students are educated by the U.S. government, should schools be allowed to restrict thought or access to thought diversity from speakers and commentators brought in by school groups and clubs? That depends on who you talk to, and it depends on how well the thoughts and perspectives asserted fall in line with approved narratives. How do you defend your opinion as a white, well-off, religious man telling a woman what she can do with because her body? Because evil and things are still evil, even if I'm a white, well-off, religious man. Two Utah high school students lost an important round in their debate class because they cited the thoughts of conservative commentator Ben Shapiro and clinical psychologist Jordan Peterson, whom the debate judge declared to be white supremacists. During a round with a topic related to immigration fairness, the other team said the two students, both of whom were white males, could not talk about the topic of fairness in any way because they were white males. In response, one of the white male students read through quotes from Shapiro and Peterson pertaining to identity politics.
The people who were fighting against enslavement of black people were a bunch of well-off white men for the most part. Right? And those people were saying, this is a moral sin. They didn't live the lives of the plantation owners. They said, this is evil and we are here to stop it. When you see something that you think is morally wrong happening, especially when you're talking about the taking of a human life, if we can all retreat into our identity and our morality is now centered around that identity, morality doesn't exist at all. We break down into a society of fragmented atoms where I can't even say, like, you're torturing a puppy in your backyard. I have nothing to say about that. I'm not a white woman who's in the healthcare field. I refuse to surrender the idea that I can have a moral stance on issues that are of concern to society and of concern to the, to the well-being of the United States simply because of the color of my skin or the nature of my genitalia. And I believe any view that feels differently is sexist, racist, and bigoted. The judge immediately ended the round when he heard the quotes from Shapiro and Peterson. The two white male students complained, appealed, and made national headlines. But in the end, it was determined by the debate directors that if the judge saw their use of quotes from conservative perspectives as racist, it was up to the judge's discretion to do so, even if that decision were slanted by bias. Free speech arguments across campuses continue to crop up, but as the societal divides continue to widen, is there anything that can bridge the gap? Are American students left to succumb to peer pressure to keep silent or risk the rejection and destruction of their future careers? Is there any legislative help from judges and lawmakers willing to defend the rights of free speech or keep those rights grounded in the framers' intent of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? How far will education institutions go to push radical social agendas? The next generation of Americans are up and coming, raised under an entirely different system of education and a different set of rules. And they have something to say, begging the question, in the end, whose voice will be heard? Examining the issues that pertain to the people of God, this is the matter at hand. From in and around the Capital Region, on the Alive Radio Network, I'm Alicia Purdy.